0: The following is a podcast brought to you by the faith community at the Torch Clock Tower Plaza, Morgantown, Pennsylvania, and Pastor Brett Swales, and is dedicated to continuing the work of Jesus peaceably, simply, together. The love of Jesus filling every heart. Welcome to the Walking Jesus Podcast, where we discuss practical, actionable steps for walking with Jesus in a Christian life without confusion, hassle, or stress. I'm your host, Pastor Brett, so let's get moving. Today's podcast is titled Doubt, Skeptic, or Unbeliever. We will examine a famous case of doubt in the earliest part of Scripture, one where the concept of doubt is brought to the forefront, and we're going to see how it was handled Genesis chapter 18 verses 10 to 13. I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah your wife will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? That last statement was an example of Sarah's doubt. With a touch of irony, we must pose the question What was Sarah and Abraham's child named? In Hebrew, shahak means to laugh. It is the root verb from which the word Isaac is derived. Which brings to mind the question, is doubt itself all bad? It is doubt, after all, that provides the fertile ground for all of modern science. In the 1800s, the human lifespan was around 40 years. Now today, with scientific discoveries in medicine, that has almost doubled. Scientific advances have cured diseases, put a man on the moon, developed computers and the internet, split the atom, cured disease, and saved countless lives. Still in all, the philosophy of science is called the methodology of doubt, the great mathematician and philosopher René Descartes doubted everything so completely that in his search for truth the only thing he could state for sure was I think, therefore I am. This famous quote is called the cogito. That's from the Latin, cogito ergo sum. It means I think, therefore I am. He was also the philosopher-mathematician behind the famous Cartesian coordinate system studied by first-year algebra students. Philosophy University education seems steeped with individuals trying to prove that articles of faith are imaginary. Voltaire insisted that while 11 men started Christianity that only one could bring it all down. He wanted to be that particular one. Is it any wonder that the Amish only school their children for eight grades? Well, I was, however, hooked on philosophy in university, and it was my major before I accepted the Lord. I studied and taught on the attributes of God with all of the assumed contradictions. Proofs of God as offered by the Roman Catholic Church were studied. I read Bertrand Russell and Einstein. I was, in the end, surprised by Russell's book, Why I Am Not a Christian. Russell said he cannot prove or disprove the existence of God. That surprised me. Einstein, however, believed in God. You do not want to doubt To the extent that doubting itself becomes a religion, however. Doubting is supposed to be a means to an end. It is not the destination, or at least it isn't supposed to be. Science. Up until recently, I still maintained a subscription to Scientific American. I have a passable understanding of quantum theory. I've read and studied Benjamin Schumacher and read Carl Sagan, Ms. Yukaku, and famous atheists, as well as Christians like Robert Chastro and C.S. Lewis, as well as the Holy Bible. I'm interested in science, what can I say? In seminary training, I avoided it for quite a while. I purchased a set of lectures from a professor at Vanderbilt University Divinity School. Thinking it to be a thoroughly spiritual look at the Bible, I discovered something called textual criticism of the Old and New Testaments. That is, one gospel used against another, matching one writer of scripture against another, with the stated conclusion that the Bible exists mostly as creation myth and traditional Jewish customs, dietary law, and rich literature. The professor still claims to be a practicing Jew, but I wonder just what is being practiced there. Other religious views. In my personal life, I've skied with Mormons and found them to be very honest and trustworthy. I've answered the door to Jehovah's Witnesses, and I have tolerance for the message bearers themselves, not the message. Yet, Doubt itself, however, is not equal to unbelief in the Bible. Jewish leaders, on the other hand, who opposed Jesus were completely unbelievers. John chapter 10 verses 25 to 27. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And yet the man who cried out in Mark 9:24, I believe, help my unbelief, was not a complete unbeliever, but a doubter. There is a difference. Peter gives us a picture of doubt when he walks on the water with Jesus and then begins to sink. Jesus says to him in Matthew 14, 31, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? So doubt is not the complete absence of faith. It's faith laden with weights of unbelief. This is why Jesus responded to doubters like the man in Mark 9, or Peter in the water, or in John twenty twenty-seven, to Thomas after the resurrection, with firm but gentle rebukes calling them to stop disbelieving while issuing blistering rebukes to the Jewish leaders in Matthew 23, verse 33, where he says, You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Going back to the metaphor of Hebrews 12.1, are you running with the weights of doubt? The longer we carry these doubt weights, the stronger their power over us becomes. We are often tempted to think that carrying the weight is a more real and intellectually respectable way to run. But carried long enough, they get heavier to the point that we wonder if the whole race is worth it or is in fact real after all. If that's you, don't fool around with them anymore. Drop those weights. Have you ever had doubts about your faith, or ever wondered if it were really true? If so, don't be so hard on yourself. Some Christians are reluctant to admit that they have any questions at all, but in reality, all believers Do. I think that we sometimes have the idea that questioning God is an act of spiritual treason or betrayal, or that doubt is an unpardonable sin. Listen, everyone has moments of doubt. Even John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, and a direct forerunner of the Messiah, had them. After he had been arrested and imprisoned, he sent word to Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 3, asking, are you really the Messiah we've been waiting for, or should we keep looking for someone else? Doubt is not always bad. Oswald Chambers said that doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he is thinking. It has been said that, that skepticism is the first step towards truth. Chuck Swindle said, it is the right of every believer to go through the halls of doubt on their way to rooms of truth. A key set of points follow. There is a marked difference you should know between doubt, skepticism, and and outright unbelief. Skepticism is when someone can't believe. Unbelief, on the other hand, is when someone will not believe. Skepticism is generally honesty, while unbelief is stubbornness or outright refusal to believe. Skepticism is looking for light. And unbelief is being content with total darkness. The unbeliever has no intention of changing or believing. They will offer up the well-worn excuse, but the fact of the matter is that even when confronted with evidence to refute their non-belief, they will reject it out of hand. That is because they do not want and therefore will not under any circumstances ever believe. On the other hand, the honest skeptic will change when presented with the facts. That is because they had truthful and heartfelt questions about God and His Word. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there are seven ways to move from doubt to faith. Doubt is not sinful, but it can be dangerous. However, It can also be a spur to enormous spiritual growth. It's what you do with your doubt that matters. Here are five suggestions about how to handle your doubt. Ask for help. That's what John the Baptist did. God is not fragile. He can handle your doubts, your fears, your worries, your anger, In all of your unanswered questions. He's a big God. He runs the universe without help. Your doubts won't upset him. Tell him of your doubts. Cry out and ask for his help. And don't fight the battle alone. Go to a Christian friend or a pastor, anyone with a strong faith and godly insight. Ask them to walk with you as you face your doubts honestly. Number two, you can always borrow some faith. Ray Pritchard wrote, Several years ago, a woman came up to greet me after the morning's worship service. You probably won't remember this, she said, and proceeded to tell me a story that, in fact, I did not recall. Some months earlier, she happened to see doubts while she was going through a very painful divorce. She briefly told me the story and said that she felt like she was losing her faith. On the spur of the moment, I replied, that's fine, I've got plenty. You can borrow some of mine. I said it and then forgot about it. But when the woman recounted this story, she told me how much that had helped her. She had indeed borrowed some of my faith to get her through the hard times. Not only did I not recall the conversation, I must have had plenty of faith right then because I didn't miss it when she borrowed some. If borrowing someone's faith doesn't make sense to you, then just skip this point. But if it does, then keep it in mind. When you find yourself filled with doubts, Go find someone filled with faith and borrow some of theirs. It works. Also, you can act on faith, not doubt. These are the great stories of the Bible. They are stories of faith in action. It's what Noah did when he built the ark. That's what Abraham did when he left Ur. That's what Abraham did when he offered Isaac. That's what Moses did when he marched through the Red Sea on dry ground. It's what David did when he faced Goliath. That's what Daniel did when he was thrown into the lion's den. And it's what Nehemiah did when he built the wall. Don't you think that all these great heroes of the faith had their doubts? Of course they did. They didn't know in advance how everything was going to come out, but they took a deep breath, decided to trust God, and they acted on their faith and not on their doubts. Do the same thing, and your faith will continually grow stronger. You can try doubting your doubts. This simply means that You should not cast away your faith simply because you are in a deep valley of darkness. All of us walk into that valley from time to time. Some of us spend a great deal of time there. But when you find yourself in the valley where all is uncertain and you are sorely tempted to give in to your doubts, your fears, and your worries, remember these two words. Keep walking. Just keep walking. Nothing is gained by camping out in the valley of darkness. The only way out is to keep on walking. Every step forward is a way to doubt your doubts. Soon enough, the light will shine again. You can try going back to the truth. This is, for me, the most important point. After considering the sufferings of this life, and all the perils and tribulations of following Christ. Paul concludes Romans 8 triumphantly by declaring, For I am persuaded. And he declares that nothing in all the universe can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, I know whom I have believed. Some things you think, some things you hope, some things you know. Try repenting. The first thing we do is repent. Doubt must be dealt with like lust or any other unbelief that infects our faith. Jesus' word to us in Mark 1, verses 14 to 15 out of the King James Version. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, ye, and believe the gospel. Don't be content to just tell Jesus how you're struggling. Repent of it. Call doubt what it is. A distrust of God. Repentance in this matter has amazing power to break the spell of a sin weight. Number seven, just believe. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? John chapter 20, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Believing is a simpler thing than we often want to make. After tolerating certain lingering doubts for a while, put them in the category of struggling against sin and let go of them, lay them aside. I was surprised by how simple this was. It was not a rigorous intellectual exercise. It was simply obeying. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That is also the promise God makes to you and to me. God never turns an honest doubter away. Never. Come to him with your doubts, your skepticism, your unbelief, your hard questions, your uncertainties and all your anger. He welcomes your hardest questions. Doubt is not a sin. It's what you do with your doubt that makes all the difference. Don't let your doubts keep you from Jesus. Come to him just as you are. Bring your doubts with you. He will not turn you away. I can finish by saying, Soak in the gospel according to John twenty, thirty-one. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Amen. This podcast was brought to you by the Faith Community at The Torch, Clocktower Plaza, Morgantown, Pennsylvania, and me, Pastor Brett Swales, and is dedicated to continuing the work of Jesus peacefully, simply, together. If this podcast has been helpful to you, won't you please consider a donation to our ministry? Send a check to Pastor Brett at P.O. Box 911, Brownstown, Pennsylvania, 17508. Again, that's Pastor Brett at P.O. Box 911, Brownstown, Pennsylvania, 17508. God bless you. The love of Jesus filling every heart.